0: Jeremy. Hello, Raphael. And uh, you're in Chicago? I am, I'm in Chicago, but it feels like
1: I don't know, Florida or something, or name somewhere it? like it, it's like it's 35 degrees, which is like Ooh. 95 Fahrenheit.
0: Urban heat island.
1: Mm-hmm. It's really yeah. yeah, it's really suddenly really hot, and I'm sitting in a uh, kind of a bedroom that some really nice people made available to me at the last minute but there's no furniture in it
0: i feel like it's a good analogy for life in the u.s it's uh, high highs and low lows <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah yeah that's right
0: i think yeah. Uh, yeah but i guess Canada's the same it's just that the netherlands is always like no well, it's basically fall all the time and that's
1: well it's pretty cool there's like a puerto rican festival going around like on around the corner and like people driving by with like that's flags the
0: stereotype and, like, of puerto ricans that they're always partying is it <laughs> yeah well i, mean, I used I to live in a in a guatemalan neighborhood in in los angeles and it really seemed like they any occasion they're like oh it's the third day of september let's have a festival
1: yeah i, I mean probably i mean i don't want to make any generalizations but if you're uh, if you've, like, struggled to make it in America, like, you're looking for opportunities to, like, celebrate <laughs> that are with family Well, and not,
0: not and only things. that, it could... It, I think, like, every culture has an emphasis and, like, maybe mm-hmm. their emphasis is just, like, let's celebrate all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Anyway, I've been having a lot of tacos and, and um, I had a strange local drink last night here called malort, which is, like, an herbal like local liquor that you drink as a shot mm. uh, i have a headache have you had uh, the <laughs>
0: deep dish pizza
1: not yet i was just talking to someone about that that I, I i feel like it should just happen naturally like if i shouldn't have to go out of my way to get something that's a specialty i mean that's it like
0: sa- supposed it sounds to be awful place. but yeah to, to me it Who just knows? sounds
1: like a quiche made of cheese like if someone was like, yeah, but like a it's cheese quiche
0: yeah but there's the thing with pizzas that the the, the cheese quality is a the thing legally you can call something cheese if it actually contains half a percent of cheese or something and the the rest is candle wax. It's really not Oh, are so, they really? candle wax? <laughs> something like something <laughs> like, in, in okay. if but if it melts and, and and stays white or something you can call it cheese. It's but craft really,
1: singles like those like processed cheese, that uh, there's no are you allowed to say cheese? with that? Is there cheese in that? Well, the, but that's what those? I
0: mean, and it, I, it I, I, I'm, I'm biased against American cheese, of course, so I, I feel right. like if something, if they say it's Chicago pizza, and it's mostly three inches of American cheese all over, I, I'm, I'm not excited, let's put it that way.
1: <laughs> and what's the equivalent of ba- like terrible cheese in the Netherlands, like Jarls- Jarlsberg cheese or something? Or something.
0: No, like, it's, it's more that, that every... Uh, grocery store or cheese store the the more specialized they are the better it gets and then maybe at aldi would be the lowest uh, right because they're not specialized so they would just get although aldi is funny like some of the sometimes they'll be like oh there'll be some consumer report it's like oh they have the best olive oil and it's only three bucks yeah 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 Yeah. they just happen to have found a big batch i just want to talk about aldi today we just want let's just talk about grocery stores. We haven't did, didn't we already do an episode on on grocery stores? Well, once? we did a lot about retail. Yeah, no, I, we uh, for our listeners who don't know, we we have a shared note, a document, mm-hmm. and that's just a list of topics. And uh, today we couldn't really decide why any of the topics was more urgent than another. <laughs> yeah, right? well, just like, like
1: I, I think it's summertime. Like we're starting to get on like this. And you know what, I think the art world is like relatively irresponsible for its like passivity around summertime, like summer comes along, and like especially in Europe, the galleries will even say they're open, but they're closed. you know it's like like I'm thinking in but Berlin that,
0: yeah, I think June is actually a peak season with all the basels and all the things that's true and the, and the true. biennials and then July August, and especially. August, I think everybody just is like, okay, let's go to the summer house. Maybe sell one or two paintings. That's true, it's,
1: and so it is Basel week. Um, yeah, and so and there are other fairs that surround that. The, this, you know, the the original Basel, not Miami Basel. Um, yeah. Basel, but, uh, Basel. I'm about yeah, and I'm gonna do like my last sort of thing of the year this week in Chicago, like next Saturday, and then. That then I'm gonna I'm gonna force myself not to do some things for a little while. I'm really excited about that, um, and so I uh, might not have anything uh, to talk about during that time because I'll be like. Explicitly but but what,
0: Do you do you feel like the, um, this is something that has been interesting to me. There's this there's, a, I always sense that there's a general um, agreement on what makes a good human being, mm-hmm. and right now maybe in our bubble it's cool. It's kind of cool to be busy, but then it's also cool to say sometimes I completely unwind and I go to a cabin in the woods and unplug mm-hmm. and deplug and uh, de de everything.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah because so it's it, like, who are you working for? But but, but, but for
0: who yourself? who d- who decides who decides this? What makes a good human being? Is that the trend forecasters or who, who, mm. who's?
1: Hopefully you. I mean, like yourself. <laughs> you too.
0: I f- th- that's something really that fascinates me because it, uh, maybe the, the 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 question is what what um, what direction should you go or purpose or something like that. But mm-hmm. um, and then there's a correction when we're all on the same boat, like oh we, we went a little too far in that direction. And
1: so purpose is really important. I have been thinking a lot about this. I don't know if you want to make that today's topic, but like yeah, I've been, reading, I've, I've been reading a book about uh, called Redesigning Organizations. By, by the way, our listeners by now know that there's a theme that I read a different business book every week, but this one is really interesting because it, like, tracks, like, the design of organizations and their evolution. What's um, the name of the book? Redesigning Organizations. It was recommended okay. to me by my 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 by my, um, management coach, <laughs> which also maybe <laughs> people don't need to know that. But, like, um, it, it, it talks about this evolution from, like, uh, management being this thing where it was actually, like, you know... It, Command and control, kind of like do as I say in like maybe even like a you know post cave like a military structure, yeah, in a military you know structure or even in like you know, um, cave battle, like kind of like uh, war, early like early tribal situations, which I'm not that comfortable with that language. Well, it's the idea in in the military
0: that that. uh, You can't have any hesitation when it's a call to action. So you can't be like, "Uh, I'm not sure I feel comfortable with that request.
1: Yeah, but basically in that world, you had to believe in the purpose of the leader. Like whatever the leader said, you're like, okay, I'll do it because you're bigger and stronger than me. Um, And then they replaced that, like the next step after that was replaced by like sort of um, the church. And it wasn't about being bigger or stronger, but it was about like this authority granted by god and sort of it was actually about hierarchy like how close you were to god um and this like hierarchy allowed for division of labor and different roles and and then people did things out of guilt or like shame
0: Uh, (laughs) i feel like that's jeremy mode (laughs)
1: And then, like industrial revolution, brought on this like way of working where it was more about like a machine and getting the most out of people. It was still sort of authoritarian. But anyway, the book goes on to like describe um, this like designing organizations as a machine. But now we're heading towards this world and where organizations are built sort of as ecologies or ecosystems. And like the analogy they give is really interesting. Is like, and they cite successful companies like Patagonia and and others. But like. Um, the example they give for like how to run an organization um, without any like hierarchy or control is similar to the way a forest doesn't require like the biggest tree to tell all the little trees how to grow. Um, it's sort of like just programmed to work, I, like, I and feel it responds like to the that, environment.
0: I feel like whenever you take Analogies of uh, how nature works, and then apply yeah. that to human organizations. That can get, <laughs> I, I get my the hair on my back. there's not that many hairs there, but uh, I, I get such a weird feeling of social Darwinism. Well, I, I think you, would,
1: yeah, you would kind of like this because like it advocates for no planning, no budgeting, no strategy, just I, yeah, sense but, and, re- sense but and whenever, response. whenever
0: whenever people use evolutionary biology to explain the way the world works, how oh. how the human world works, I get like how sociology uh, works.
1: Yeah. Well, they're yeah. saying, and they're I, saying actually, I, this is like just evo- the evolution of a sociology. Like, th- there are now co- they're trying to describe like these new kinds of companies um, that are sort of not organic. Like the most famous maybe uh, organization, maybe people have heard of is Zappos that has. And the most famous version of what I'm talking about is called a holacracy. Have you ever heard about a holacracy? Yeah, 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 It's a completely flat organization where no one has a manager and everyone sort of self-organizes and does whatever they think is right. In these organizations, though, the reason I bring all of this up is because what's impo- like none of this works unless there's a really strong sense of purpose behind the organization and why it exists. Um, in the case of Patagonia, it's you know kind of you know about uh, sustainable uh, product design and production and cons- consumption, so, like I guess sustainable consumerism. In the case of Zappos, it was about this idea of creating happiness in the world. But anyway, like, yeah. you know, purpose is behind. I, I think happiness the is, a, is a very interesting
0: word. Mm-hmm. It, it, happiness is such an interesting word because it it. Um, um, previous generations they were just going from like oh we want to get to where everybody has indoor plumbing like we don't want to go out in the freezing cold and sit on a cold toilet uh, where also the neighbors poop and like we gotta move up so Mm -hmm. you had this clear purpose especially like my grandparents post-war Europe and everything was broken and we gotta fix it so that's enough purpose it's very clear and it's a very it's very clear what's better it's very clear that uh, ten years ago, we, it was terrible, and now it's better.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I don't think there was any doubt about that. But now, like, the progress is
1: from a sanitation standpoint, though mostly. Like,
0: yeah, but also from a nutrition <laughs> standpoint, like people were getting taller. There was less uh, babies okay. that die. It, it, like very clear. But now it's like, is vaccination good for you? Or mm-hmm. you know, it, we're, we're so far beyond survival that all of a sudden, really weird questions pop up. And and then, I feel like. Uh, My grandparents' generation Would ask of their kids Go to college and be safe That was the Mm -hmm. question Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But then our parents' generation It was uh, obvious that we would not die of hunger So they're like "Uh, Try and be happy Do whatever makes you happy And I feel like that's a a Very Mm -hmm. difficult question That's where purpose gets weird Because it's like Oh uh, So if I work my ass off My parents actually don't love me Because I'm supposed to be happy And not just survive And so Uh, what makes me happy Uh, oh I should and like uh, the question of like oh I should take time off that makes me a better human being And where it gets really vague it's like oh I'm a good I'm on my phone too much I should feel bad about that yeah I think there are
1: like these different moral high grounds that people try and occupy I mean it was interesting because earlier today Kristen who's going to drive down here for our opening later this week she was like wanted to buy a dress and she's like I've decided that I'm going to buy it from Everlane and I was like oh why have you decided that I was like well I've decided I need to shop more ethically and you know, like when you buy from them, they do—they have all these sustainable practices. You can even see what factory your dress is being made in. Why doesn't she <laughs> buy vintage? Um yeah, well, that's a good question. She has bought; she does buy a lot of vintage. But she wanted a new dress for this opening, anyway. Okay. But it, it was just very interesting because this, the purpose of the company aligned with her purpose as yeah. a as a human being, and like this was part of making a good decision for her. And these, yeah. like your grandparents, wouldn't have made that decision necessarily. They might, or maybe they would. Maybe they'd only buy from a specific individual who made things a certain way. According well, they, to they the made their vision. own clothes,
0: <laughs>
1: but, but, <laughs> right? Uh, uh,
0: yeah, I mean, it, it, it's such a stretch, like uh, in terms of luxury, of like, oh, we can get this uh, roll of fabric really cheap, and we can make clothes for all the kids in one go. Yeah, it's very yeah. different. Uh, yeah, uh, well, what I mean is when you're surviving. Uh, yeah. yeah they, No, no, no! uh, I I hear what you're saying. I was talking to a coat is better than no coat. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. And so to put that in perspective, in terms of being an artist or a creator, I was talking to some people at an opening last night who, they're like, they would call themselves speculative designers. They studied under um, and Dunn at the RCA, and so like they're like of this like specific emerging canon. And I was talking to them about their work, and they had some work in the show, and they had made it by hand, and they're designers, right? So. They had made this like object which was like a dopamine structure that you could rearrange magnets on it. And the idea was like if you completed the molecular structure, you would get to complete the puzzle and feel the feel dopamine as you completed the molecule. So it was like kind of a cute pun. But what was interesting is like I was like, why did you make it by hand? And they're like, oh, it's just it would be incredibly complicated to like have made by someone else or by a machine. And I was like, really? because um, it was made by in wood and like the sizes had to be sp- precise enough. And I was like, you can't 3D print that. Anyway, we went back and forth and I was like, but for me, the astonishing thing is because I joked to them, I was like, you know, there are no, there are very few artists that would make what you're showing in this because it was all other artists in the show and they were like speculative designers. And I don't like even to draw the distinction but I think that their mindset was we have to make it by hand because coming out of design, everything was made by machines, right? Um, you know, specifically going back to the Bauhaus, and then like the act of making something by hand as a designer is like a purposeful act. I guess I just I'm, I'm trying to like bring the conversation into this like, yeah. By making it by well, hand, it was like more valuable and more purposeful.
0: But the, the 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 feeling I have with the word purpose is that you want some external rule or ideology or factor or person to tell you that you're doing okay. Mm-hmm. And so if if you if you don't have any rules and it's just up to you and you're like okay well I'm gonna uh, make a painting and then buy a Ferrari and then drink chocolate milk and yeah. uh, am I a good human being for that or not and then you can choose okay my my focus is on ecology or my focus is on aesthetics or my focus is on sociology and then by those arrows you can see if you're doing okay and if you're good because hu- at the end of the day you and, but what the interesting thing for me is that artists choose a life where they'll never know if they're doing okay i mean there are some it's very different from other professions and i but but i thought that was artist specific but i realize now that uh what i hear from people who are overworked or who have problems with burnout that most of the time my friends who went through that they feel unappreciated at work it's Mm. never i'm not getting enough money yeah that seems to be survival is not the issue it's my, my co-workers are not listening they're not seeing what i'm doing i don't feel appreciated i don't feel heard mm-hmm.
1: so that's why in or the, you know in this book and in other books like uh, there's daniel pink has this book called drive which examines the you know the the three mode you know, uh sort of behaviors behind motivation and the three things that motivate people the most i think i've said this on the podcast before are autonomy mastery um, and purpose. So, purpose is one of like the three most important things to even just being motivated. And when you're talking about people not being happy at work, if there is no purpose to what they're doing, and praise is one of the ways in which they determine whether what they're doing is right or not, then there's no feedback for them to know is this a, is this a worthwhile way to spend my time? Is this a worthwhile yes. way to spend a life? And so, I think a sen- if you have a strong sense of purpose, as I do, think some artists have. Um, then you don't really need to ask that question because you have one purpose for your whole life, which is to yeah. like, investigate it, an idea. It's, it's
0: funny like it, with um, with art, you have a higher purpose, and it it also has a sense of uh, something beyond your lifespan. Mm-hmm. It's a conversation over many generations, mm-hmm. so it almost gives you a religious purpose, like afterlife, uh, they'll they'll get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, uh, but, and and people will put up with a lot for that dream so even if your life is terrible and Van Gogh is always the best example mm-hmm. uh, he had a lot of purpose and a lot of drive but there's also text even at the end of his life where he says well I'm a failure and I guess I didn't amount to nothing and uh, I guess it all sucks so that's maybe what I mean that in art you do have a purpose there's a camaraderie and we're all doing this aesthetic investigation and personal investigation and uh, hopefully other people can get something out of it but that's secondary Mhm. But at the same time, you tend to evaluate yourself and it's so abstract that there's no telling whether you did, even if you're the biggest financial success, you could still feel like uh, intellectually you haven't done anything. Yeah.
1: I mean, I was just talking to a friend last night uh, who I've been, well, you know, friend and collaborator because I'm working with four artists here and with a very strong sense of purpose. And he makes work that's even more strongly associated with like, you know, a purpose around social values. Um, and he's been working with like border towns and issues related to like trade with mexico and and like you know basically violence and all kinds of you know messed up stuff Um, but he was talking about how there's a crushing sense of responsibility and imposter syndrome tied to being representative or trying to represent others in that context so like you know, being a Latinx artist, for example, in Chicago, trying to represent the issues that affect Mexican border towns is like, and then also represent the Latinx community locally and that diaspora is like, he had like a, a crushing sense of like, should it be me doing this? Like, do I deserve to, you know, be the one promoting and is, this? And is that and person is it, someone who why did... Yeah, yeah, he was a victim of sort of like... Uh, that environment he had to actually leave he used to run a printing company uh, I think in Juarez and eventually the sort of the mob chased him out of town and he says you know he's seen heads on the ground and stuff like that like they threatened him and his uh, store owner and things like that um, so he rebuilt his life so, here.
0: So you, as an outsider, would think that would be enough reason to. I was like, yeah, you, you're, you wouldn't have any doubts. I
1: mean, survival is purpose then. But then on top of that, yeah, I'm like, wow. And you're doing amazing work to then like help highlight people in the community and build like that's what we're working on together as an event series to help like um, Latinx art um, and artists get attention beyond like cliches and like because I just even cited a few cliches a moment ago so he's doing really important work but uh, he still had a sense of self-doubt and um, even with a strong sense of purpose you know I'm just coming back to what you said about external validation and you need people that are saying like you're doing a good job <laughs> even when you have a strong sense of purpose yeah, yeah.
0: well yeah I, I think uh, you want to connect to people and so if people tell you you're doing a good job then, uh...
1: well yeah I was having a meeting with a, a designer re- uh, recently this week and you know she's entering into a new phase in her career, trying a, a new kind of aspect to her role and wasn't, you know, had a lot of areas to improve and then wasn't, but wasn't feeling like she was making progress because no one was telling her if she was or not, right? Like when you're in school, you get this very kind of progressive, like, um, like every progress is really finely documented, not in art school necessarily, but in like...
0: Yeah, you know, well, I, I think a good example in art school is when you do live uh, figure drawing, hmm and you're there with a the class, and there's this very clear way of doing it, and there's a very clear result. It's almost like uh, running track, and you can see who's the fastest. Right, So, right. I- In a class like that, there's an instant validation. It's like, oh, that person gets it, that person doesn't. And mm-hmm.
1: But even like when you, it, I think it changes with age as well, right? Like after a certain point, you're and you're used to that system, you start to game it. Or when you're young, as an example, as an artist, it was purposeful and exciting enough for me just to break rules. Um, you know, then that you know I could, didn't have to be paid to break a rule. I'd be like, fuck the the status quo or whatever, and that would be an exciting premise for me. And I would feel a tremendous sense of purpose in terms of just upsetting the status quo was enough, and that was enough motivation, and I didn't need to be paid to do it. In fact, I didn't want to be paid to do it, um, but I was, ta- you know, talking to an actor um, at a party uh, this week, and you know, actors really have a difficult time in terms of validation, right? Like, um, because there's so many of them, and you know, he had, you know, you have to get so much education as well just to even get into the good places where you can. Yeah,
0: I, I tend to not, uh, I tend to not really feel sorry for people who choose a dream job, mm-hmm. like. It's a like bit acting. like winning the lottery, and you, mm-hmm. yeah, like acting or being a professional athlete—all these things that everybody wants. Basically, everybody wants your job, and so if if you're picking up trash and it's hard to make ends meet, then I really feel sorry for you. And I feel like school teachers don't make enough money, and nurses, and all these things. But these dream jobs—that it's it's not really realistic to say, "Hey, I should earn a f-. like like." If you extrapolate it it's like imagine there's a dream job that's just uh, tasting wines and mm-hmm. and there's all these schools that teach you to taste wines, and there's too many wine tasters like do you feel sorry that they're not making a living <laughs> wage I guess so but I think i I'm more talking about like because it, it really is it, it it's a dream to just uh you know everybody wants to be uh, James Dean or whatever be a movie star mm-hmm. and uh, like I th- there's too I, many people who want that right. I think the thing I encounter more often,
1: maybe, yeah, is that that dream was sold has been sold to a larger number of people, and the way it's been sold is on the back of student loans and student debt. And then people, yeah. when people struggle to repay them, they say like, "This isn't fair." Like, I I got into the best place, I did the best thing, I'm doing the best work I can, and society doesn't uh, reward it. And you know,
0: yeah, that's the fair. I'm doing point.
1: it for true reasons. You know, like it's it's sort of like it, it doesn't advertise there should
0: be a warning label just like <laughs> cigarettes it's it's yeah. like the, the chance that you'll make your money back within five years is about is smaller than the lottery
1: yeah like I, here's the thing like I think no one goes to medical school or law school thinking like um, you know, they go in. I, his medical school. You go in with a strong sense of purpose, right? But you don't expect to come out of medical school thinking like, God oh, it's gonna be hard to find a job." <laughs> you know, like, like you know, you're gonna pay down the debt. You know, your purpose, you your sacrifice is going to be compensated.
0: No, actually, no, no, I I don't agree here. I think uh, knowing from some family members who studied medicine and some in the U.S., mm-hmm. I empathize a lot there how hard it is and that. You're a doctor, and then you work all your life uh, yeah. paying back student loans, yeah. and then people want to sue you for making mistakes, <laughs> as if you were trying to mess with them. Right. And then you get sued so much that your insurance premiums go up, and you have to work for the pharmaceutical companies. Mm-hmm. That I really feel terrible for that. So and what you're so saying is I, like I don't.
1: Uh, everyone's miserable, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs>
0: no matter what. No, no, but but what I what I mean what I mean maybe uh, um, is that just knowing that like, if you're tracing a dream job it, it it's called a dream job for a reason and i think but here's a, I, I yeah it, it, here's a question though yeah it's it's it uh, one side of me is like of course it's terrible and the other side is like well isn't it obvious that you shouldn't go 150,000 into debt for you mm. know
1: but here's maybe the distinction which is there's a difference between function and purpose i've been thinking about this in terms of design as well like you know a lot of times the way we create value or we reward value is is based on features or function right so what did you do to improve the situation for others right but purpose which was, is what we're really talking about here is actually of no value to anyone except yourself right like and you shouldn't pretend like it is like just because you believe it's meaningful and it's you know, intrinsically motivated, and I'm not. This is no judgment on, on people that are like, "What I'm doing is important." But you know, that, that's kind of what it is, right? When someone says to you, "No, I'm, yeah, I'm no, doing really important I, I th- work." Th- Everyone's work is important in its own way. I th-
0: I think there is a interesting misalignment of uh, how society. Um, what do you say? How much people get paid, and how much we think. Their work is actually purposeful. So, mm-hmm. uh, I think David Graeber wo- wrote an article on bullshit jobs. How uh, corporations generate a lot of inefficiencies. You would think that corporations are all about efficiency, but there's like documents going back and forth, uh, and lawyers get paid a lot, and it's just like this this race to the bottom of who ha- who can write the longest document. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mo- mo- so that's what, yeah. Uh, if you have, uh, what I mean is uh, what I mean is a job like that. Is compensated really highly, mm-hmm. for some reason. Like it, the the system needs the best lawyer, so it's it, it's just lawyer up, lawyer up, lawyer up. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, everybody agrees that uh, primary school teachers are very important, but of course they're not paid as much as a corporate lawyer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, well. So yeah. what I mean is that that maybe if you ask anyone in in a country, it's like are teachers important They're like of course we need to protect our children and uh, make sure everybody has equal opportunity I, I don't i don't even think that's like a partisan issue or whatever i think everybody agrees teachers are important yeah but you couldn't and, you couldn't uh, prove like but
1: you you don't benefit but, from a but, child learning like like directly in the, no, in the short uh, term yeah
0: but but what I, what i maybe mean is that if you ask people what what is a a, a profession with a high purpose it's not the profession at the end of the line also gets paid well
1: Mm-hmm. At the end of the line?
0: It, it, the, I mean, the bottom line. What I oh, mean okay. is, if you ask people, they say, yeah, of course a nurse is important, but then at the end of the day, if they have to write a check, they're like, oh, no, i got to pay my loan. Yeah, I
1: mean, I, I'm I'm startled at how poorly teachers... I think teachers are a great example. I mean, in corporate culture, what you're describing is really interesting because more often than not, like um, the way organizations are designed now around purposes like... Um, is built on this idea of instead of policies and regulations and rules and all of the things that we're, you're talking about, you know, uh, that lawyers is rewarded for, that organizations should shift shift toward uh, values and that the values should be uh, kind of a culture that lives inside of every individual that allows them to make the right decision. And that a lot of what uh, corporate America spent like previous decades on was mitigating risk so and the joke is like they spend a lot of money to be right about how much money they'll lose instead of spending no money uh and and not worrying about being profitable so it's like yeah we're making tons of profit but we don't know why and you know but what more corporations choose is we're losing a lot of money but at least we know why we're losing it they would prefer the the latter than the former. The former, which you could build on a culture where you have high autonomy, like I said earlier, and like people are given, like you know, are, you hire experts and then you give them a strong sense of purpose embedded with great values. Um, that that type of organization is actually far more profitable on record if you look at the statistics. And but it it relies on this like thing that people don't want to talk about which is like in business especially like this idea that um, people just want to do the right thing <laughs> and they want to feel like they're they're making well, that, an impact
0: yeah I, I'm very interested and maybe that's what the purpose is interesting there's a very big difference be- between what people think they should do and what they do so Mm-hmm. No, but I think
1: that's why values to guide people toward the right decisions, or telling them what to do. Yeah. Um, but they, you know, and the point I was made at the very beginning is that you have, you know, top down uh, leadership is like the old model, and it's the way society was also organized. So, not just in companies, but just like democratically, even, right? Like you would have had king or queen. And society is a, at this point now, and certainly under American capitalism, the way it should function is as bottom up, right? Like where the people decide fluidly. Um, what they're trying to achieve together, based on a shared sense of value and purpose. But what we find in America right now, with making this political podcast, is yeah. that purpose. There's a split in the middle. You know? Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> <But> <laughs> people disagree nice. about what, why we're here. The why. You know. You know. We've talked <laughs> about Simon Sinek before on the podcast, but like start with why. So if you can't, if people can't agree why, and then they can't actually go in the same direction.
0: Yeah. And. And one thing I, I uh, always find very interesting is um, people do art for many reasons. It's complicated. Like part of it is uh, wanting to be special. Part of it is your cu- curiosity. Part of it is survival. And part of it is the status. And there's a complex system. But when you try to... Sometimes students are asked mm-hmm. to write down their purpose. And, and what do you want to achieve with your art? And that question already, in, in my eyes, it, yeah. it makes, it, makes your, the results much narrower. And, and so it, it leaves out ambiguity and intuition and dreaminess. And uh, I've said this a thousand times, but uh, mm-hmm. the, the purpose of art is not to have a purpose. That's, uh, that you're free to just. It, it's really, for me, art is really. I don't smoke weed, I've tried it a few times, it's not for me. But what, what I've heard from stoners is that you sit on the couch <laughs> and you start overthinking everything. And basically that's what art is. And so you don't want to tell a stoner, like, yeah. okay, now uh, go figure out the, solve this problem. And like, no, the stoner should be like, bag of potato chips and just be like, oh, these chips are really crunchy. And just think about that for, a f- and then think about like an artist could be uh-huh. like just thinking about how crunchy chips are for their lifetime. And, and, and there should be no question whatsoever why the chips. It's like, okay, no, my thing is I'm just going to investigate crunchiness for the rest of mm-hmm. these decades. But
1: is that okay if someone is being shot outside their home? Yeah, yeah. Like if, it, if it's like World War Two, It has nothing to do with it. Yeah, it, but like if you spent a life uh, crunching potato chips and getting high while like your neighbors were being...
0: Well, but it it gets dangerous because then it's like c- can someone can you have a celebrate your birthday while children in Africa are dying? Like, where do you draw the line? Mm,
1: yeah, no, I, I think that's that's a good point. It's a, definitely a
0: hyperbole, but, uh, I, I, but that, that's that's an interesting question about purpose because you could say okay, my I really clearly feel that my purpose is to investigate these really small perceptual mm-hmm. uh, phenomena. And think about composition and color and movement, and I really think that enriches life the same way that music yeah, yeah, enriches yeah. life. Like I think if we were all just constantly trying to so- solve world hunger and never write music, it'd be a very boring. Yeah, I'm world. just saying that the whole the, the so, reason that y- there's this danger, this danger <laughs> is is it, uh, uh, no, no uh, go uh, ahead. Sorry, it's just dangerous to think of, of usefulness. Yeah, about. I think you're right. But the whole,
1: the reason that art exists is because of the division of labor. You know, made possible by different social changes.
0: No, art existed before. No, no, art existed before uh, modern society. There you was already. Mo- it, we've talked about this before. It wasn't. Mo- you'd the have to ca-
1: spend most of your time hunting and gathering um, in order to survive.
0: No, but they made cave paintings in the evening, and it, it, there's been studies that in in uh, a lot of primitive societies, they only have to work two three hours a day, and the rest of the Day is for uh, sports and music and mm-hmm. uh, having fun.
1: Well, then they're probably less primitive. They're actually not. I wouldn't call them primitive. I'd call them advanced.
0: I know, but but it's it it, it hunter gathering uh, depends on which, which environment you're at. But uh, I mean, I've seen sea lions and they're just hanging out on a rock all day, and then they just jump down get a fish and then just uh, enjoy the sun there's no there's no work ethic embedded in nature that is like oh you have to work uh, 10 hours yeah a day you're
1: you're making a good a good point which is that there's a myth that's sold that the way one make one the way one helps the team yeah myth the, is w- a good
0: word myth myth yeah. is exactly the word well like it's this invisible thing that uh, you're like oh yeah yeah i'm supposed to work hard and go at mm-hmm. it and, and
1: and maybe you don't have to do any of that stuff
0: yeah
1: well, now it's like.
0: Well, and, and that's the thing where where you you said I have to. Um, I'm forcing myself to yeah. take some time off. Like, who told that you I that? I had to
1: do that. I just decided that I didn't want to spend yeah. another summer working through the whole summer, waiting for the next summer when I could not <laughs> work. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it was just it, there's a certain treadmill yeah. aspect to it. It's like when do I get to enjoy summer again? Oh, that's what I've been thinking a lot about recently. That's yeah. where this yeah. podcast started, which is like. 35 degrees it's hot I actually should be working on some performative stuff a friend of mine just po- uh, texted me like we're gonna go to the beach do you wanna join and right now personally as I'm talking to you I'm like ooh should I like finish up this presentation or should I go to the beach like, and that actually is like a probably an analogy for my whole life <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah but I, 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 I do think that um, some people don't enjoy sitting at the beach so that, that's okay it's not for everybody
1: well that. But that's exactly the thing. Like sometimes I really enjoy um, work, and I and I don't know why. I, my, so my whole life, my parents have made me feel bad about that. Like w- growing up, um, the most common thing you'd hear people tell me is "Jeremy, get off the computer." <laughs> Jeremy, get off the computer, right? Yeah. And like and it would be like well, that and stand up straight. Um, of course, I was hunched over the computer, so like I ruined my posture then. But like, I, you know, so I didn't get to be, and that was what I was enjoying doing. It would be like, stop skateboarding. That's the equivalent of what was, you know, I was hearing. Yeah, it's just that that your
0: hobby looks like work
1: yeah just so yeah like so that's where I, so actually the good point I would I would make or I'd hazard to make is like the other thing is I, I read all these business books and management books and I was talking to someone about it last night and I, I really believe that the design of things so I'm really fascinated by what exists and how things exist and my curiosity leads me to take things apart and the most advanced machine that I can take apart is like the social machine the capitalist machine and the way it's built is like on all these organizational structures. That myth that you said was invisible. I've often talked about like an artist's job is to make things visible that are invisible. Uh, I know you say the artist's job is like, you know, yeah, to do some things just for you know without a reason. That that's well, what was the how did you put it? You put it so beautifully. It was like um, just well, a I guess ago. where the episode
0: like is about purposes. It's doing things without purpose. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. It's explicit. Yeah, unpurposeful acts of purposelessness (laughs) like (laughs) unpurposely investigating
0: your curiosity
1: my my thing is more like you know it's kind of my the what my view on everything is like it's making something visible that's invisible like making something people aware of something like a sunset if you were a painter and you painted that for the first time you're like oh yeah that 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 point in the day you're freezing that moment in time and making it possible to investigate it in greater detail and for cu- anyway, for me, that curiosity, that passion for making invisible things visible is like yeah. not to judge it, but to see and it. And then it, you know? this
0: purpose, like uh, thinking that enjoyment and uh, aesthetic uh, pleasure is a luxury and that you have to achieve some kind of uh, societal uh, minimum before you can start enjoying aesthetics is, is uh, I mm-hmm. think you're... I completely agree like if your house is on fire you need to get the house out of fire you know that like you need to call the fire department and the the fire department has a clear purpose that's more important at that moment than uh, looking at which color of blue you're going to paint tomorrow if your house is on fire okay Mm -hmm. we agree on that but sometimes I think an artist who grows grows up in a very difficult area and then gets to uh, follow the aesthetic pleasures and and make music or make paintings, is more liberating than having to address that. Like if if you're in a wheelchair, it doesn't mean you have to make art about wheelchairs.
1: Mm-hmm. No, I don't. I don't disagree with you. I just think that the palette you're constraining uh, the artist to is very limited. Right? Like, I could do. A, I could make a painting of a rose, or I could seek to understand the molecular. Um, like composition of a rose and how it grows and then breed a new kind of rose that never existed yeah. before and, and that would by by the way in previous you know centuries that would have been considered art because art and science were the same thing i think art has been like limited or boxed in in a way that i find unhealthy like when i go to a gallery or museum and you know, like I'm about to be a part of a show, and I th- I'm really excited about all the artists. They're like a lot of our friends. But actually, as I walk through the show, I was like, you know what? We all, we're all, a lot of us are just making the same thing in different variations. <laughs> it's funny if you if and, you go to
0: a place like Dia Beacon, and it's this uh, uh, big museum with installations of minimal and conceptual art, and I think. At the time, they all thought they were very unique. But now it's like, oh, this is mm-hmm. all number sequences in different media. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, it's like, oh, brass rails, like, stacked against one another. Yeah. <laughs> right. Innovative, right? Yeah. yeah. But there's also something um, great about
0: it. It's the same in science where you might have, uh, you know, maybe there's 40 people in the world right now really studying a very specific mathematical problem. And there's small variations. And they're kind of like a team, like a research team. But they might not be in mm-hmm. the same location.
1: Yeah. That's a good way of thinking about it. That's interesting.
0: So should we read an advertisement?
1: Yeah. <laughs> With yeah. the natural... Um, give this
0: episode some purpose. Yeah,
1: so I think you... Yeah, let's give this... Yeah, exactly. I was just thinking, like, what would be the purpose of this podcast?
0: Oh, yeah, it's to deliver advertisements okay. that are timely and relevant. Okay. Do, 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 start ad. Hey, Jeremy, have you ever clicked a link only to find that it was broken?
1: Oh, uh, I hate that. It's so disappointing. There's like nothing I can do
0: about it when it happens. Actually, now there is. A new website. These links are broken.com. is a new digital graveyard for broken links. Wow, a growing list of links that don't work? I really
1: like that. It says a lot about the temporality of online space.
0: Yeah, it's like the antithesis of clickbait. You can even submit your own broken links by emailing submit at theselinksarebroken.com or by visiting the site and using the submit button. Sounds great.
1: I really want to contribute. Me too,
0: Jeremy. Visit theselinksarebroken.com or jackrieger.com for more info.
1: Okay, thank you, Jack. That's um, an interesting <laughs> solution to a problem no one had. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But a very interesting yeah, art I, project. I, I don't it's know. <laughs> I, I think
0: uh, the way I describe uh, how art should be made is a response to what you're saying. So it's. Um, I, mm-hmm. I, I often just, maybe it's impolite, but I often like to counter people Uh when there's a discussion. no I, I mean
1: that's the whole point of this yeah. podcast but I it, mean, it, it was funny Like sometimes
0: your, your uh, angle is more from a sociological point of view and I'll be on the other side and then mm-hmm. the other day I had a dinner with two sort of more tech business people um, mm-hmm. and they had this this art startup idea and they, they're basically their uh, their mission was bringing art to more people and then all of a sudden maybe it's the same opinion but I was like bringing uh, so when we talk about purpose so their company has a a clear mission bringing art to more people
1: yeah usually and we should have said that at the outset usually companies have a mission yeah exactly like
0: what was that word you used for like there was some acronym for a high mission
1: for high mission like like a company's uh, uh, ROAR or MARA or
0: something uh, yeah
1: okay i don't remember you yeah <laughs> anyway so
0: their, their mission was uh, uh, bringing art to uh, more people it was
1: oh, like a moral high ground yeah it-
0: i don't know it was uh, electric objects you know they, they don't exist anymore but uh, like- right, right and in theory of course that sounds like a great mission like of course art is not only for rich assholes we should bring it to more people but then any platform <laughs> i've seen that brings art to more people the results i'm not so interested in so that's a Sometimes you can have a mission... Because
1: they don't represent the artist, usually. They bring bad art to more people, is what you mean.
0: Yeah, but I, I I don't know what it is, but there's something in the mission of, like, hey, let's bring it to more people, that something weird happens. So, it, it, No, I mean, uh, to me,
1: it's equivalent of, like, a, an ice cream an ice cream company is, like, we're going to bring more melted ice cream to more people. Like, you're bringing something that no one asked for in the wrong way.
0: Well, you, you could see like, it as, like, it, pe- a lot of people... Uh, a lot more people are into music than into art. Uh, but mm-hmm. it's just a different organ in the, on our head. Like uh, one is the eyes, the other is the ears. Uh, why couldn't we? And, and let's say that we think uh, Joy Division is a, a band that is an interesting band that made a mark and changed culture, and uh, mm-hmm. we both like their music. And we, I, I, I don't think it was dumbed down to reach a big audience, or, uh, if you agree. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, this is an easy one, though, because music was, you know, it, you'd lose less in the experience in its transfer to media than you do, like, w- generally art is just too wide in terms of its media. It, like, it encompasses all all media, like, everything, and therefore it's impossible to package as a standard, like, a CD, on a CD or in an MP3. And every time anyone tries to do that, they end up limiting the potential of art, where you don't limit the potential of music as but much. I, I, I do think you do limit it by putting it on a record. Well,
0: let, But if you compare uh, painting to music, like so paintings, you can photograph them, but it's not the real thing. But then mm-hmm. uh, then if you look at street art, which uh, supposedly should happen on the street, sometimes it happens in a gallery, it ends up being really popular on the internet. And then it happens mm-hmm. to be that that's kind of the most popular form uh, has the broadest audience right now. So what I mean is that if you decide okay we should reach a lot of people so we should um have in I don't know I've just, just ideologically I agree with street art but then the results no, and I, I so what you're yeah. I actually
1: think you're making a really good point which is like you know a lot of the way you know if we're talking about companies in relation to artists a lot of the ways capitalism has uh has demonstrated its purpose because this goes all the way back to the Bauhaus especially, I think, as well, which is like if we bring, in the Bauhaus cases, like great design in the hands of the people, you know, you know, using the machine that we've built in terms of mass manufacture in Germany, right? So like everyone deserves great design, you know, and IKEA eventually picked that up as their tagline, right? So if you were and to look at that Yeah, it and also being lens,
0: being honest about that it's made on a machine not trying to make it look handmade.
1: And, and to my point earlier about um, Everlane, right? Human progress is tied to the these businesses' ability to deliver um, deliver increasingly democratic results. Like everyone should have access to great art. Everyone should have access to ethically made clothes. Everyone yeah. should taste the world's best ice cream. And, and it's, then it builds on this that premise or purpose are, of equity. Yeah, yeah. but then A what, what that happens is built into that.
0: With, with Everlane specifically is that they have to make clothes that kind of everybody likes but nobody loves mm-hmm. it's like yeah, yeah this is no, a, this no, is fine no. I guess yeah but it's not exciting like It's not
1: t-shirt a, dresses and stuff
0: yeah, yeah it's, it's a fine t-shirt and uh, yeah this is a good shirt but yeah, it's comfortable it's soft but it's not exciting
1: <laughs> right you're talking and so the, like it, they almost appear a l- little bit communist in their <laughs> presentation I mean IKEA has to do that right like by creating a single standard that everyone adheres to yeah yeah um, I mean I it's guess economical. it's the same
0: with uh, with Apple they just have to make something that everybody loves but.
1: well this is the point I'm always trying to make which is that uh, a lot of these companies and Apple's a great example are selling ideology or a purpose if you will and that purpose is baked into the reason you should buy more than ever and this is also the argument that A lot of books make right now and if you were to like study branding in school they'd be like what you're you're not selling a product you're selling a purpose you're selling a reason why you exist if your company doesn't know why it exists then it has no reason to exist in the mind of your consumer and their consumer won't choose your product and so purpose is like very capitalist through that yeah
0: but it gets it gets it gets really weird when the the Amount of users of your product is so huge that you can't really narrow them down with one mission. So Mm -hmm. Apple is a great example where they teamed up with Beats, and they, uh, you know, any teenager that likes hip hop, uh, they can they can uh, communicate that like this is the computer for you because Dr. Dre uses it. But Mm -hmm. then they also have to make ads for country music fans, and then it's like a guy with a beard on a motorcycle, and he says, "I love my iPhone and I love my country." And yeah. it, like, if and you have to make sure that the the same people don't see each other's ads.
1: Well, there's this organization in the Netherlands that I wanted to describe at the beginning of the podcast, but now it makes more sense. Which is the the Netherlands has and you probably maybe you know them. Uh, I can't remember the name of the company, but as I start to talk about it, maybe you'll know. It's the it's the, I think it's Europe's largest nursing company. They do like private nursing, like in your home. They have over 9,000 nurses that work for the company and they have like no, um, they only have like 28 managers in the whole company. And the way they work is there are like 10, uh, nurses in a neighborhood group, like they get together in like a circle and they serve a, like a group of customers of like a certain size and they make all their own decisions. And they like, they... Communicate with other nurses through a, a website, and the CEO communicates with all of them through da- like uh, daily and weekly blog posts. So the whole company is managed with twenty three <laughs> managers, a CEO, and a blog. Um, and it's the word like it's one of the world's most profitable nursing companies with the highest um, like patient satisfaction. And mm-hmm. it's the 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 whole thing is driven like you said by like almost an artistic sense of self, which is to say like. We exist simply to, like, you know, help people <laughs> in their homes, and we'll come up with whatever solutions we need to help them. And there's no ideology or mission beyond that. Like, the values and the mission are clear, which is like to help people. But like, the, there's no structure built into it. It's completely
0: yeah
1: amorphous. So there's there's there's
0: two things I want to reply to that. The first mm-hmm. one is that. Um, adjusting the mission and but that's I want to talk about that later but first I want to talk that the Netherlands has a specific issue with loneliness that uh, in in the in Dutch culture infrastructure and logistics and efficiency is really highly valued so yeah this people, company
1: like rejects that though. yeah I well but
0: on. people even when they're on vacation the first thing they do is like find the beach and set up their perimeter and then build a dam by the by the river and play. With it. They're always building stuff. They, 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 even when they're on vacation. And but there's a tremendous problem with loneliness in the Netherlands. There's a, a million old people who are lonely, and there's even this category of severely lonely, and it's almost a medical term. And okay. then you see uh, other countries in in the south of Europe where they're much. Uh, more unorganized compared to the Netherlands and they don't have all the social housing where everybody can have their own place so a lot of people live with their family and old people move back in with their family because people are broke but -hmm. they don't have the loneliness problem so you have these two different missions of like family very strong together housing is not efficient so people are on town squares and then you have the north in the Netherlands where Let's give everybody a social home and make sure everybody's uh, dry from the rain. And then it's a oh, there's a side effect that, that means we're lonely.
1: <laughs> okay, and so you're saying that this nursing company is like they're operating on the inside that like. Being... I don't know
0: this nursing company, but I know that the, mm-hmm. there's even friends of mine now. Uh, friends of mine are are doing volunteer work just to talk to old people because they really have no mm. one to talk to. So it's yeah, it's I really mean, it, yeah, it, well, you, the, it's it's yeah. when you're in a very when the, when the whole. Uh, Country's mission is like be as efficient as you can be, then spending time with your family is not a priority.
1: But that was the insight of this case study. So, nursing had really become this industrialized thing, especially in the Netherlands, the way this book describes it, where like you know the patient satisfaction was at the bottom of the list of things to do. It's like you know, even if you gave a patient the wrong shot, the fact that you delivered the shot in 10 seconds instead of you know 10 minutes meant you were doing a better job, right. And so they're like mm, that's bullshit. What we're going to do is we're going to just allow the nurse to make a decision how long to spend with a patient and we're going to send them there in person and they're going to make they're going to build a relationship with them and we're not even going to monitor their performance and we're going to give them like uh, you know a reasonable number of patients and they can just decide how to treat them however they choose, right? And so and the they employees managed like,
0: to make the the company profitable so it can continue to exist
1: it's the most profitable nursing company in europe it also teaches now it's the its own techniques it teaches to other companies so that they can be as profitable as they are um Mm, mm, mm. and they 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 have because a lot of what's built into a company's um cost model is labor um and a lot of that labor is management labor and a lot of that labor is actually like what's it actually causes inefficiency, like management. Yeah, we'll
0: we'll put this article bullshit jobs. It's exactly what you describe.
1: Oh, really? In the show. We'll notes? Put it
0: in the show notes. But it, it's exact. <laughs> it's this side effect of like, well, isn't capitalism perfect at finding inefficiencies? And it turns out it's not. Well,
1: well, this is the thing that I, the kind of good point I wanted to get to, which is like in. So this is also true in not prof, not for profits, and in the art world, there are a lot of people who because there's not a lot of money or compensation or e- extrinsic rewards, like you are saying earlier, no one's telling you you're doing a good job. A lot of people create their own sense of purpose, which is built around power and privilege. So, like, I am the director of this gallery, so I am important. That means I can be rude and miserable to you, right? <laughs> um, and I've just, you know, I, I really think, one thing this book's really interesting at, at, at saying is that, like, management is, it really is a kind of art form and really the way organizations are designed around purpose, that's what you have when you're born, right? And when, then what's happened is we've evolved these systems on top of, let's say even on top of the artists to make them more professional or make them you know, act in a more practical or pragmatic way when what is innately available is curiosity, like you said earlier, and the ability just to like obsess over a detail. And I think I've mentioned on a previous podcast, like the highest performers in the world um, have this a tremendous ability to focus and obsess over detail. And like, if you wanted to do one thing in life and just focus and, and pay attention to detail, and you wanted to beat everyone else, don't even looking at competition is considered like one of the worst things you can do. Just like focus and obsess, and like do less things, um, and then like get rid yeah, of all this. But bullshit it is funny if you
0: decide I'm not going to look at the competition, and you're going to spend the next. 10 years and like oh I came up with this piece of glass that you can use as a phone but also as an internet browser you're out of touch 20 years late
1: yeah but that's why Uh, there's one simple rule which is like be. and this is one rule that I'm trying to teach artists right now which is like take away everything except being in touch with um, your customer or your audience or a community like and you can disagree with me on this but I really believe that like artists really benefit from spending time with people in their communities this is true in art historical movements like social groups of artists have always emerged and they're much stronger well, as a collective than they are as an individual
0: yeah i, I would be careful with um, thinking that there's one way so th- i think it, it's different per person i'm just saying
1: like if you're the Unabomber and you think you're going to be a brilliant artist which you know the unibomber thought he was no but there are there you're are just, examples there're examples
0: touch. of of artists yeah, but there's examples of uh, artists who were not in touch, and there's examples of artists who were uh, teaching and in discussion and, and part of a community and part of an art mm-hmm. movement and a manifesto. But there's also singular weird people who've been on, uh, you know, in a cabin. And uh, of course, so of course, I, yeah. There's no I, one I,
1: right way. I'm just saying, like, yeah. if, to the, the cure to that problem generally for most people and most product companies. So say you're a designer and you're not an artist. Has been just to talk to the customer, and and well, and like you don't have to use that word if you find it cringeworthy. Here,
0: here's an example. Like I've, uh, I don't know all the people who view my work. First of all, it's a lot of people on the web, so and then I don't know all the people who bought my works. That's usually through the gallery, so I'm not in touch. Mm-hmm. But I've met a few, and some of them have become good friends, and I'll go to gallery shows with them, and they have a specific way of seeing art. And uh, a lot of collectors are interested in finding the key piece of an artist or the the transitional piece from one way of working to another. They're Mm -hmm. interested in what later will be decisive moments. Right. Um, And I think I'm much more interested in the continuation, and I'm I'm not collecting, so I don't need the, the physical remnant of that decision. I'm just interested in the path. And so I think if I would be hanging out with collectors all the time, my work would change. And I don't think it's good for an an artist to listen too much to the customer because in that sense, the collector is the customer and I don't think artists should hang out with collectors too much.
1: Yeah, just think that your your customer is actually not a collector. From what I know, your customer is the listener of this podcast. Like you, when I meet your fans, which I do get to meet because I travel and and they tell me, you know, they listen to the podcast and they prefer you to me. (laughs) Uh, You know, it'll be because... I always hear the opposite, uh, but... It, those people are never collectors they're always like people that are inspired by no i the I, ideas. Agree, I
0: agree i agree with you but i think artists in ge- general um it, it's not like a f- you you can have the danger of, of pleasing the customer too much maybe that's what i'm trying to say
1: mm mm-hmm. yeah i mean listening doesn't mean yeah. uh necessarily you give them what they want that's the old you know they just want a faster yeah. horse kind of well
0: like. I, i'm just saying like if if i was because i hear a lot of uh when i I've done some studio visits or uh, talked to young artists, and there's often this invisible, like, what do they think? What do they want? Mm -hmm. What do they? I'm I'm supposed to be a theorist as well as an artist. I'm supposed to be, and and so when there's too much, there's like a there's like a burden of an invisible judge that decides everything, and it's like this is what I have to do to get into the biennials, and this is what I I have to do to be. And here's yeah, the thing so that
1: I've been thinking about a lot recently: is like you might be doing some of the most interesting work of your life, but no one knows it, including you, yet because it doesn't look like anything else. And um, exactly. yeah, yeah. And so you have to have a certain amount of faith that you, you know, wherever your curiosity takes you is. Uh, it's fine, you and, know. In, and that's kind
0: a lot of people. Yeah, I don't know if a lot of people ask you how's the podcast going. And usually, people think you do a podcast to get an audience and then get a sponsorship. Like that's the general. <laughs> right, right. It, there's so many tutorials online on like how to build an audience and then how to live on the beach because you have a podcast. Yeah. Um, and I don't and think we've, we've we done do a bad podcast job of that. for that reason. Yeah. If we were, we were failing pretty miserably. I've been the, thinking about that main, this whole
1: podcast. Yeah, w- this whole podcast yeah. is really about this episode.
0: <laughs> so, the, what's the purpose? And, I, and whenever people ask me, I, I'm like, I'm not sure, but I really enjoy doing it.
1: Yeah, I was thinking on my way over here, just coming back from lunch, that like, if I, I'm gonna feel so good after I do this podcast. For some reason, it's become this like centering activity in my life. Um, and so, I agree with you, <laughs> like, which is like, if I don't, if I sorry, don't do it, Kristen, I'm like,
0: sorry, Christina, but. <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, oh, but it's part of a routine, which I insisted on from the beginning, and I'll take credit for that, which is, like, yeah. if I, you know, I build my life around routines, and part of the way I, um, you know, kind of feel uh, at peace is through these routines, and um, this gives me a certain peace every week that I get to talk to another That's
0: artist. Like a, it, it's, it's funny, because a routine is, like, a mini purpose. It's like, okay, every week I have to do an hour of recording, every week I, I like, I've... I feel like I've had a good week if I exercise three times that week. Like, yeah. then It's a good week. And and if I, got I only got to do it two times or one time, you know, so... Maybe you're yeah, just checking a box like
1: that. and that's all, it, it, you know, that's fine. Like, I know you said it earlier, and I, I, it could be useless, but...
0: But I think a, a lot of artists have these weird kind of routines and it, it might be more destructive or more constructive, but they'd be like, okay, I have to drink a bottle of wine before noon every day or I have to... Uh, uh, swim in the ocean every morning. I would. I, I think artists need some kind of structure because the rest is so spaced out.
1: That's true. I need ground. I need to ground stuff. Even when I'm working a day job, like that makes my night hours uh, more artistically productive. Uh, I know. I and think I know that's why
0: you like go on too. vacation because then you can. It, the vacation is the work, and then you can <laughs> vacation again when you get right, back right. to your computer
1: anyway i mean i don't know if we got to like, it, a it's, like people, point. it's like people
0: it's like people you going on vacation is the same when uh, uh people who like to drink and take a month off of oh, drinking okay like, i just do it because that first beer after that month tastes so good <laughs> oh there's fireworks outside do you hear that
1: mm. oh yeah i do so this is a very noisy yeah. weird episode uh hot summer episode well
0: i like all the bird sounds coming from your end yeah, it's like
1: well, it's very summery here and like I said it's like yeah, there's sort of like I'm on a peaceful neighborhood street. Somehow can't hear. yeah,
0: Chicago mm-hmm. in the summer sounds like a Spike Lee movie.
1: <laughs> it's kind of like that. Does it so feel I feel like go to the beach this afternoon. Yeah, I mean right yeah. now I'm in like a little a sort of apartment block and it does have that. So if there are parts of Chica- Chicago, is different. It's very hard to explain. Like last night I went to a very strange bar that was also a liquor store and just had fluorescent lights on. And has been there for like fifty years, dive bar, and I drank horrible beer, and that and that's like a Chicago thing to do. So yeah, yeah.
0: Um, I remember doing good Chicago karaoke. That was fun.
1: Yeah, like Chicago, here's my summary of Chicago: it's like half the price for twice the space, <laughs> and like, and and people are, are are like half as stressed. Like everyone is pretty friendly, and they're not, <laughs> and they get half the attention. Well, yeah, that's the compromise, probably is that like they feel a little bit isolated because of that, but they they've they've there was there's a good deal in it for them, I think like even the fire escape here I was like, this would make a great art there's, studio <laughs> it's huge. there's
0: all these there's all these weird shifts like uh, a friend of mine was in Berlin and it's now back in Amsterdam, and uh-huh. uh, it turns out uh, art studios in Berlin have gotten so expensive because it's known for its cheap art studios. So everybody <laughs> right. went there. And they're like, "Oh, we can milk this. We can, we can sell the broom closet as an art studio." And so now Amsterdam is cheaper per square foot for art studios. That doesn't
1: surprise me. I mean, no. yeah, Berlin. I mean, Amsterdam flooding. is
0: very expensive to live, but for some reason, the arts, the, the studio spaces are cheaper. Yeah. Yeah,
1: if you want cheap studio space, anyway, I guess the message is like, yeah, Chicago's <laughs> open for business. Um, yeah, Toronto we, is not the
0: place. I guess. Oh
1: yeah, tr- don't come to Toronto. I'm sorry, it's over. Uh, so shall we read? We have so we got actually speaking of um, alternatives to Toronto, we got a field recording here from Montreal. I was out actually last night with someone from Montreal. Hi, Jeremy and Raphael. I went to the uh, Lozano Hammer uh, opening at the Mac. That's Raphael uh, Lozano Hammer. Maybe they left out Raphael because they didn't want to confuse the listener <laughs> at the Mac here in Montreal and got this recording of his piece Sphere Packing uh, back 2017. I wouldn't be sending it if it was just something, just went smoothly as planned. The piece is a large wooden sphere that contains 1,128 small speakers. You walk inside and are immersed in romantic melodies that swell and fade out and then play simultaneously in back fever dream. One of the speakers picked up the radio, which was playing Friends by Marshmallow and Anne Marie. <laughs> so in between this swell of baroque melodies that rise into a cacophony you get what i'm assuming was supposed to be silence but is instead a pop song (laughs) hope you enjoy it as much as i did that's pretty cool a little bug in true glitch art yeah that's right it's the unintentional glitch um awesome cool so listen thank you very much listen to this 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 mistake (laughs) maybe our (laughs) podcast was a mistake today i'm not sure yeah, um, yeah, yeah.
0: But I, I feel like if, if there's any lesson that the, this podcast, it's the field recording. It's going out there and listening. That's. Uh,
1: I think that's why people listen. It's they're like, shut up, yeah. Jeremy and Raphael, We're listening. We're waiting for the field recording. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thanks for the field recordings. Keep sending them in. Keep sending Thank in you. your ads. We love promoting your work. Love you. Bye.
0: Bye-bye.